what a good combination. Of course, it all starts in the 60s. So the 60s is a time for a lot of politics and, like you said, a lot of culture, a lot of turmoil. Um, world history is very interesting in the 60s, too. The 60s has just a, so much history to it compared it, to, like, the 50s. Like the every, 50s is a lot of music. But. Every little thing that happens is just like, what? <laughs> like, compared to each decade, the 60s just has a lot of weird things that happened that are very endlessly fascinating to me. Just in terms of just the interplay and a lot of things that happened between, like, both a lot of crossover like so like uh politically and both like pop culturally there was a lot of kind of interplay between the two things and they were kind of not not entirely intertwined but enough to be like they were happening like right side by side and it's very weird so do you remember how we ended the 1950s uh oh man that was one whole week ago. I know. A lot happens in a week. What th- what did we end with? Was it the, uh, were we talking about airplanes? Yes, but after that, um, we ended with the Cold War. That's right. Finally starting to kick up. Um, so there was a lot of space travel that uh, ends in the 50s. Or, sorry, that begins in the 50s. We talked about uh, Leica, or Leica, the, the poor little random dog that they found on the street and shot up into space. Fly high um, space dog. Yes, fly high space dog. I cry every time. Uh, so, we're going to hop into Cold War stuff after. I, I had originally planned to do Cold War first, but this is a very interesting case this was the first thing i saw i was looking at some timelines of what happened in the 1960s and this was the first thing i saw so there's a guy um called carol whittier chessman um and the carol is uh spelled multiple different times when he was young it was k or k c a r o l carol whittier chessman uh then when he was an adult it was c a r o l Y-L. Ooh. So, he is very interesting. Um, and it, it took me a second to figure out why his death really mattered. He was born in 1921. And he lived through the Great Depression. Uh, he would steal food and money and whatever he could to help save his family. And that's where it all started. He was a thief to help other people um, until he stopped being that way and just became a thief. When he was a young boy, he was sent to multiple different like re-education areas um, to help just redevelop him, make him a better member of society. Uh, first crime he did that he was arrested for was stealing a car. He was thrown into... Uh, basically that re-education area. It was the Preston School of Industry, also known as Preston Castle, um, which was a reformed school in Northern California. Uh, then he was released uh, about a year later, and within the next month, he stole another car and was sent right back. Uh, and he proceeded to go about his life just stealing cars. Uh, while he was in this reform center, he met a 
his gang called the Boy Bandit Gang. And um, he joined the gang in April 1941, uh, was arrested for a whole bunch of gang-related robberies and shootouts, and, you know, found himself back in prison, uh, except this time he was an adult. Uh, He escaped prison in 1943, and then within the month he was arrested. (laughs) Seeing a little bit of a trend here. Um, He was convicted of robbery, uh, and eventually he would go on to murder and a bunch of other heinous crimes that he did. So, he was known as the Red Light Bandit. What would happen was when people were stopped at red lights, he would approach the car and carjack them just in the middle of the red light. He'd be like, he would just walk in and either sit in the car and pull out a gun, make them get out, or just walk over to the car, open the door, and pull a gun on the person. And he would just carjack them in broad daylight. Uh, So he was known for that. Um, Now, he did, in the car stuff, pick up a few people, uh, and those people would eventually help turn him in. he did bad things to those people that I'm not saying on the air. And he and someone known as, uh, I don't remember his first name. It's Knowles. David Knowles are, they go around, they rob banks, they rob people, they carjack people. They slowly start getting up into murder, slowly start getting up into other things. And eventually what happens to him is he one of his victims uh, who survived was able to point out what his car looked like and point out what he looked like. And so he and David Knowles are arrested. David Knowles would eventually be let go because there was not sufficient evidence to tie him to all of the crimes that uh, the red light bandit had committed. But... They were able to catch Chessman, Carol Chessman, and he eventually went to prison, and he sentenced to death. So, what makes him controversial is that while he was in prison, on death row, he wrote four books. Cell uh, 2455, or 2455, Death Row, Trial by Ordeal, The Face of Justice, I'm sorry, that's five books. No, I'm wrong. Yeah, that's five books. I can't count. Me, math, no good. And the kid was a killer. All of the books became bestsellers. Uh, He sold the rights to sell 2455 and Death Row to Columbia Pictures, which then made films of the same names in 1955. And the main character was named Whittier, which is Chessman's middle name. So clearly he wrote the book's at least thinking about himself. So he's writing some self-insert fan fiction. <laughs> yes. Um, the f- uh, fourth book, fifth book, fourth book, fourth book, final answer, was taken, uh, The Kid Was a Killer, was taken by a prison warden in 1954 um, because it was considered a product of prison labor Uh, Although eventually it was returned to Chessman in 1957 and published in 1960. So he ended up igniting a worldwide movement to spare his life, 
because he became so popular and his movies became so popular when he was on death row that there was a worldwide movement to stop him from dying, which also brought attention to the death penalty. Should there be the death penalty in the United States? And is it fair to kill people, especially someone as acclaimed as this author who has done terrible, awful things to people? So it brought up this whole debate, which I feel like really works for the 1960s because that's all the 1960s is about is these debates and movements. So what ends up happening is a bunch of notes are sent to the prison saying, hey, you should not kill him because he's an author and an intellectual and that's not cool. Um, people such as Aldous Huxley, Ray Bradbury, Norman Mailer, Dwight McDonald, and Robert Frost all sent notes to the prison saying you should not kill chessmen. Aldous uh, Huxley did? Yep. Oh, wow. Aldous Huxley, Robert Frost, and even First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt and Christian evangelists. I'm sure you've heard of this one if you know anything about Christianity. Billy Graham. Billy Graham. Where do I know that name? Oh, he's a he's an evangelist. Um, I I could do an entire episode on Billy Graham. <laughs> oh, I had him confused with Bill Graham. He was a uh, Bill Graham is a figure in the '60s. He promoted like a lot of. He was like a music promoter. Ah, uh, yes, different people, very yes. different people. Bill Graham is decidedly cooler than that guy, probably in, in terms of evangelists and stuff well bill graham was an evangelist he was just exposed a lot of people like uh like santana and stuff like that all these obscure people who would otherwise not be famous so what's really interesting is that all of these people robert frost first lady eleanor roosevelt Aldous huxley they were all sending messages for clemency which is basically a pardon which then makes an issue because the people in charge um, are opponents of the death penalty. And they did not want to carry it out on chessmen. So everything was all fine and dandy. But he was unable, Brown, um, the person in charge at the time, was unable to grant clemency to chessmen because the Cal. For the California Constitution um, required the uh, felon's death sentence to be ratified by the California Supreme Court, which declined to ratify him in a vote of four to three. And finally, uh, Brown, it, this is 1960 at this point, is really trying everything he can to make sure that Chessman is not executed he had 60 days, and at the end of 60 days, on February 19th, 1960, he schedules an execution. Then, um, the uh, author was author and criminal was killed. So it's a very interesting start to 1960 because this person who was really influential in the 1950s uh, in movies and uh, books 
from his own prison cell on death row is finally killed after an entire movement against the death penalty happened. So it's a very interesting way to start the 60s. I, uh, Carol Chessman, not really a good person, but very interesting that he was able to write five books on death row and get as much popularity as he did. That is very interesting. That someone can just, like, do such bad things and try to turn it around, and, like, manage to turn it around, I guess. Like, I mean, yeah, he still did those things, and the blood is still on his hands for whatever he did, but he managed to, like, make a bunch of people be like, don't kill this guy, he's a great author. Well, and that's the question is, what should people who can write successful books or who are intellectuals, should they have special treatment over other people who get the death penalty? Probably not. Probably not, because that's unfair in the eyes of the law, and then you're making certain people better than other people. And that is an unfair advantage to especially other people who are worried about dying on death row. So, you know, it it brings up a lot of questions. I'm going to segue real quick. 1960 Sprite is introduced by (laughs) Coca-Cola. We're we're just going (laughs) to skip away from, you know, a murderer and writer and just just go to the next murderer and writer, Coca-Cola, our sweet overlords. That's That's a nice... It's a nice left turn right there. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, basically, 1960 is very important because of Jonathan Kennedy. John Kennedy uh, is a Democratic candidate. He receives, or sorry, he receives the Democrats' nomination and then is elected in 1960. And he beats Richard Nixon by over 100,000 votes. Kennedy wins the Electoral College 300 to 219. Good old Jack Kennedy. Yes, the Kennedys. What interesting people. Um, Kennedy was a huge part of the 1960s. And I feel like... He was a very popular president. Very popular. So one of the things that was interesting with uh, good old Johnny Boy was he was a Catholic. And so the Christians of the time were very... The Catholics were very for him, and every other denomination was not because they hadn't had a Catholic president. So the thought was that the president of the United States was going to be subservient to the Pope. So then the Pope in Italy could control America. It was a very interesting conspiracy theory. And it got so big to the point where... The Catholic Church is very big, though. They have a lot of influence. Well, they do. I mean, they got a president elected. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> um, so Kennedy being Catholic was really controversial. Nowadays, it's you know Democrat versus Republican and you know whatever you want to say. But Catholics v. everyone else was very controversial and interesting. And so with Kennedy, he comes out in one of his speeches and says, look, America's first. I, I am not going to be listening to the Pope for anything besides religious following. 
I will not allow the Pope to run the, co- the country because that is not fair to you as the American people. That's not a separation of church and state like America had promised by our forefathers. Yeah. And everyone after that, um, Nixon was winning at the time, but after he gave that speech, a lot of people started voting for Kennedy. The, the polls showed a flip there because he came out and said, look, I'm Catholic. Yes, it's my religion, but that's not who I am as a person. No. So, very, very interesting that, at least to me, as someone who's not really experienced, like, this hatred of Catholics and uh, these different sects of Christianity, to uh, think that there is so much controversy over a Catholic president. I don't know. It's like, compared to, compared to nowadays, if someone's, like, running for president and they're, and they're Catholic, it's like... It's like, oh yeah, they're just they're just happen to be Catholic, but now it's like it's like, oh, are they Republican? Are they Democrat? Are they this? Are they that? It's like there's just so much, but then back then it was just simple things like that. What their beliefs are. So what I find a little bit interesting, this gets into modern politics a little bit. We've never had, at least from my understanding, an atheist, agnostic, Muslim, um, Hindu, Buddhist. We've never had a non-Christian president. That is very weird. Obama was Christian. Biden was Christian. Trump was Christian. Um, and then Bush, Clinton, all of them have been Christian, or at least have said that they are Christian and have been shown to at least outwardly express it, even if it's expressed in, a, shall we say, different ways. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, nobody has come out and said, yeah. I am an atheist, there is no God, I am the president. (laughs) I would find that very interesting. I think our society is progressing towards eventually seeing a president that's not just a Christian, but it's very strange to me to think, you know, you've got your Democrats, you've got your Republicans, but they've all been Christian. You've got your Democrats, you've got your Republicans, but none of them have been... I don't know, from a different walk of life, different religion, a different belief system, and the fact that people were just throwing such a fit over a Catholic being elected, admittedly, I guess that's progress, too. Yeah. It's like... Because now we don't care. It's just a Catholic. But back then, it was like, ah, a Catholic. It's like, what? (laughs) All these... This man believes in the Pope. This, the Pope is fake. He doesn't exist. It's like this country <laughs> was founded on Christian values, but it was mostly founded on enlightenment, more scientific, whatever kind yes, of. The good old enlightenment. I love the enlightenment. What it's a very, grand old time. Very interesting. Maybe that's what we'll do. We'll go through the decades of the 1700s in terms of enlightenment. Yeah, we'll just go backwards. We won't go into the 2000s. We'll just go to the 1800s and <laughs> well, the 1700s. So I'm thinking we, we still all we still ought to do Russia 1900s and up, or at least take like one or two episodes to do Russia, because they have such a huge impact on the world during the 1900s, but they're barely ever talked about because... Or even just Europe. Europe in general, you're right. Even, like, England and, well, everyone talks about England, but just a lot of weird stuff going on. A lot of weird stuff happens in Russia, and nobody talks about it. Like, when we get to world history, I'm like, okay, World War II, America and the Allies, and then Russia's just bounding in, just killing everyone, and it's like, for the motherland, we will kill them all and destroy the Nazis. And 
and think about all the other weird stuff that happens in Russia that Russia doesn't talk about. Ah, yes. Well, Russia, <laughs> Russia willingly does not know about a lot of that. De-Stalinization, that would be a really fun... It took them a long time to to admit that the space dog, you know, like Laika, that she that she died of like you know heat and uh, asphyxiation up there. They just said, "Oh yes, we gave her poisoned food so she <laughs> wouldn't die on reentry." But she was like, they were reporting on her for ten days, even though she died within like hours of being in space. Yeah, well, I mean, pretty much when you get to space. If it's not a sealed container, which I don't remember if it was or not. It was just they didn't have any adequate, like, um, temperature kind of insulation, like heating insulation. Ah, so it actually was just burning to death. Quite literally, yeah. And also just, like, the lack of just, like, I think it's just, like, the lack of oxygen, too. There was probably oxygen in there, probably just not enough, I guess. I'm just imagining, like, a cartoon of this really big rocket and then flying into space, and the dog is just ping-ponging back and forth between all of the walls, just yeah. flinging everywhere. That's not what it was like. And they're just reporting on the dog, saying, like, oh, yes, she is alive and well. The dog she... is fine, but it's, like, clearly concussed. I don't know how long. legs everywhere. And... I'm not sure how long it took them to, uh, to like, admit all of that. I think it took them a, lo- a while before they actually admitted that. <laughs> we killed the dog. Everyone immediately glares at Russia angrily. <laughs> we found this cute little puppers on the road and proceeded to kill it. It's like the recording. All right, Russia. It's like the recording of like some. Um, there's one recording like a female cosmonaut like uh, calling for help on like a, a radio or something like that, and then like it just cuts out and it's like, oh, it's getting very hot. Help out! And then like, but they never talked about it. As far as anyone knows, there weren't any. Female you know, cosmonauts. Yeah. That's, that's the weird thing, just how many people they probably sent in the space and probably died that we, do, ever knew. that we just do not know about at all, which is kind of a very, that's a deeply disturbing thought, isn't it? I never knew that, and now <laughs> I am I am shooketh. I am so... Like, it was someone that someone picked up on uh, on the radio, like on accident, like on a... You know, like a hand radio, like a CB, like shortwave radio or something like that. It's just wow. like they just picked it up completely on accident. And just, wow. I I can't imagine being that person. Like it just probably, no. knowing the way the Soviet Union was, they just picked up these people like they did Laika and just picked up the people as they just were beggars on the streets. Threw them in the training and were just like, you're going in space. You're going you're gonna to make us win the space race. And then... Uh, they die. And they, they burn died. to death. Very, very oh. weird. I oh, I don't want to <laughs> be that person. I'm glad I'm not that person. I'm glad Soviet Union is no more. Yeah, me too. I was about to say Lenin's going to come after me. Putin's going to come after me for saying that one. But uh, uh, Lenin will come up out of that box. <laughs> Lenin and Stalin are pretty mad at me right now for being happy that there's uh, no more Soviet Union. Oh, well, maybe they'll be back again someday. <laughs> someday. You know, they just hop out of their box. They're re-Stalinized. I don't know. There's a lot of people trying to say that they're, that Putin's trying to bring back the Soviet Union or something like that. But I don't know enough to really definitively say whether or not that's true. So I'm just going to say, okay. So um, we're going to hop into back to 1960s. 
I am going to give you a few kind of more boring facts before we get into the interesting stuff. Uh, Joanne Woodward receives the first star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yay. Go, go Joanne. Joanne. Woo. After a two-year stint, Elvis Presley returns from Germany. Woo, what Elvis. Was do- what was he doing out there? What do you think he was doing out there? <laughs> he was singing. Oh, okay. He was performing concerts. Um, good old Dwight Eisenhower, uh, before Kennedy is elected, signs the Civil Rights Act of 1960. And what is really interesting about that information was that Eisenhower was relatively for the movement, except that people kept lobbying him. Uh, and I can't remember who it was, but it really made him mad. And then he just ended up hating the civil rights movement because of the way people were lobbying him. I think it was actually Martin Luther King Jr. I think he and Eisenhower were friends, and then he started getting annoyed at like the way the protests were going or... I don't. I don't remember entirely. I can't Maybe speak you know, to like it. the way the protests were going. They were peaceful protests. Well, some of them weren't. Oh yeah. Um, and the media covered the violent protests more than the peaceful ones. So that was Eisenhower was like, you can't do that. Um, but he still signed the Civil Rights Act of 1960. Uh, Beatles. We listened to them today. The Beatles begin a 48-night engagement in the Intra Club in Hamburg, West Germany. Yeah, the Hamburg days are, like, one of the ones that people really talk about because I guess, like, you know, everyone knows the Beatles in terms of not what they became later, but in, the like, their early parts of their career, they thought, you know, like, because everyone really thinks about them, like, they're wearing all the matching suits and stuff like that, and they got matching haircuts. Back then, they were, like, when they were in Germany, they were, like, really raucous like punky kind of like just crazy kids just like rocking out in uh german nightclubs for like nights on end and <laughs> sleeping in dingy rooms and stuff they were they were animals back then man they did a lot of crazy stuff so the polaris missile is test launch the flintstones uh come into existence hanna barbera france tests its first atom bomb in the sahara desert uh, and two more things in 1960 that are interesting. Nikita Khrushchev pounds his toe on a table at a United Nations General Assembly meeting. Basically, what had been happening was Western Europe, England, Germany, all those places, has started to put sanctions and s- things that would hold the Russian economy back. Um, it was a bunch of like anti-Soviet Union policies, and he just got so frustrated he just kicks the table. <laughs> um, then this is what starts off, or not what starts off. I mean, by this point, the civil rights movement has already started, but this is a moment in the civil rights movement. Uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, four black students begin a sit-in at a segregated Woolworths lunch counter. Uh, the Woolworths lunch counter refuses to serve them. However, they do not remove them from the counter. The students are allowed to stay at the counter. What ends up happening is this event triggers a bunch of nonviolent protests throughout southern United States. And this is very interesting. Six months later, those four protesters were served lunch at that counter 
Huh. So this, you know, they started as a sit-in for, you know, anti-segregation, and six months later, they won. That's good. That's a... It's a nice story. <laughs> that is nice. Um, so, 1960s. Is there anything else you'd like to say about the 60s? Uh, Howdy Doody got canceled. Oh, good old Howdy Doody. Good old Howdy Doody. Uh, when did Apollo 1 happen? Was that? I know that was in the early 60s, but I don't remember what year. It was like 1961, Because I do have an interesting story about that one. The Apollo 1 was 1967 it was february 21st 1967 destroyed january 27th 1960 what the the apollo one where it blew up on the oh you're right you're right i was like wait a minute they can't go back in time and blow it up so it was planned to launch february 21st uh but it was destroyed january 27th 1967 yeah my uh my pop pop was actually he was in NASA at that time and he was there when that happened. Oh, so he was uh, messed him up. And a it's bit. and it's funny to hear him talk about the astronauts because like people talk about like John Glenn and like the stuff like who that. Lived. Yes, when he talks about those guys, those guys, he's like, "Oh, John Glenn was a jerk, man. He was a total like basically <laughs> he's like a he was terrible a terrible person. <laughs> he was a total wad, and he's like talking about uh." The guy, especially the guys on the uh, Apollo 1 mission, their names escape me, but he was talking about how, like, they were, um, like, some of them were just real arrogant and stuff like that. <laughs> and, like... <laughs> I get it. They were arrogant because they is- asphyxiated to death. Well, no, because they were uh, <laughs> just... <laughs> just because they were just, like, Oh yeah, like there. I think I think one of them was named Roger Chaffee. It's like, oh, it's nice to meet you. And then he's like, oh, hey, you call me Commander Chaffee to you, and you know, stuff Roger like Chaffee, that. Roger Chaffee, Edward White, and Virgil Grissom. And I guess, um, I guess what was happening was they were doing like a test or something like that. You know, just doing some like testing stuff on the launch pad, standard stuff. And he was like listening with headphones uh, the whole time they were doing that. And I guess one of them. They don't really talk about it, but I guess one of them was, like, stomping around and, like, just goofing off down in the bottom, like, you know, just saying, like, they had this thing where they'd be like, ah, Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse, and they're just going, like, ah, shut up, you know, just the way of saying that. Like, one of them (laughs) stomping around back then, I guess, split a wire. You know, the whole thing was filled with hook and pile, like, Velcro and oxygen, so it all just combusted, and they couldn't get them out of there. And he wasn't allowed to talk about it for at least a decade. Yeah. Like, legally, like, they were just like, you cannot, you're just not allowed to talk about it. Like, like you have to be sworn to secrecy. So the Apollo 1, like you said, 1967, January 27th, um, it doesn't actually explain how that happened, but that is a very interesting story to know that it was just being a butt munch. Yeah, and, like, he saw a lot of stuff, too. Like, he even told me somewhat recently he used to be uh he used to be on a submarine and they were they would go around like Cuba and stuff like that and they were up you know i guess they were surfaced cuz they were sitting on like the deck of the uh the submarine su- the submarine yeah and they on the coast of Cuba they saw like all this explosions and stuff going on and they thought it was fireworks and stuff and they're like oh look at that guys and they found out later that what they were watching was the bay of pigs invasion <laughs> 
<laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, it has to be the Bay of Pigs. It has to be. Wow. And so he just sat there and watched and had no idea. Yeah, no idea. They thought it was just like wow. fireworks. Like, I can't imagine seeing something like that and just not knowing what is, like, the weight of what's happening. It's like, it's it's really nuts, man. Some to people... literally be in history in the making and... Yeah, it's like, it's really crazy. Wow. Like, he's a really fascinating guy, my yeah, pop Yeah, he seems like he's seen some interesting events in his life. I know. I wish I could see stuff like that. Like, that's just, to be in those shoes at that time, to see such weighty really heavy things go on. So those guys, uh, Chaffee, White, and Grissom, they were, you know, he had done whatever with that wire, and it caused the fire to start in the command modules. Um, and that is where everyone was, and they died of asphyxiation because of the smoke. And, like, the pressure from whatever, they couldn't get the door open. Mm-hmm. Like, they had to, like, wait. They literally just had to sit there and wait for the fire to go out before they could even get in there and, like, see what happened. What a terrible way to die, though. I know. It's so... Just, it's it's So deeply, much panic and realizing you can't leave. You're yeah. just dead. Yeah, it's really, like... It's really disturbing. <laughs> it is really screwed up. But, yeah, the 60s, like, and all that stuff, just, like, real tragic stuff and just real, just, like weird stuff like that just just really like it's both like oh yeah there was all this like positive social change that happened i mean yeah there was a lot of like riots and stuff and a lot of social upheaval but like it's weird it's one of the only times in history where people both talk about how great it was and how like terrible it was yeah well i mean I'm just I'm looking at the history across the world of the 1960s. And so like, like even in America alone like there's like the whole like kind of I guess you could say in like the 90s when they were like there was the whole like east versus west coast kind of thing like just like ah yeah you know which one's better. Yeah. Like that goes even I don't know if it goes any farther back than the 60s but in the 60s there is even that whole thing going on because like you know especially like when the hippie thing started going on with like the whole like doing all sorts of the psychedelic kind of like weird crazy stuff going on the bohemian thing like in the west you had like i mentioned in the 50s you had ken kesey and the merry pranksters and they were doing like you know these crazy like multimedia kind of parties with like flashing lights and all this weird audio equipment variable delay stuff and they had the Grateful Dead playing there, too. And that's how they got started, like how they really... Because before then, they were just called the Warlocks, and they were just playing, like, you know, Rolling Stones, kind of like bluegrass, electric folk kind of stuff, folk rock stuff. And then, like, they really started to get, like, really, I guess, become the Grateful Dead at these these parties they called acid tests and stuff. And it's like, But yet, over on the East Coast, you had Andy Warhol doing, like the same kind of thing except he's showing his films and they'd call it like the exploding plastic inevitable and like you know and you had timothy leary with his league of spiritual discovery in new york and you had ken keys and like they were more like academic with what they did whereas ken keesey were just more chaotic and 
there was just a whole kind of rivalry between the whole thing and it's really weird like because like they're doing the same stuff pretty much but yet there was a whole lot of no i'm better no <laughs> you're nah, a you lot know? of back and forth even in california alone like the san francisco people and like the la people like in la you had like the, the folk rock people like that listen to like the birds and stuff like that they're like man this is it mr tambourine man and stuff and then like in san francisco it's really bluesy and stuff like that and then you had like the hippies and the freaks and the freaks were just really just out there like frank zappa and stuff like that and the hippies hated frank zappa they hated alice cooper too so alice cooper <laughs> went over to detroit Sounds about right they didn't like them, so Alice Cooper had like they had the band. Well, they, the band was originally called Alice Cooper before it was the man Alice Cooper, but they had to. Uh, they would like clear out halls. The hippies didn't get them, so they would. They went to Detroit, where like you had like the Stooges and the MC5 and just really just like crazy stuff out there, and they took them in. They took them in with open arms, old Detroit. Just like all these different scenes going on that are mostly, some of them are doing the same thing, some of them are a little heavier than others, but yet a lot of them really didn't like each other. Even though the 60s is like a very kind of like people talk about, it's like, yeah, peace and love, man. Yeah. But no, there was a lot of like, just like clickiness to the whole thing. But like, I kind of like that because it's just like, I find it kind of funny. And, like, even, like, in uh, England, you had, like, they took, like, rock and roll and the blues and stuff like that, and they turned it around. Like, you had, like, the Beatles and, like, the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin and stuff, and they're just the Yardbirds, and they're just, like, doing this crazy blues, like, doing it better than most of the American rock bands, and then, like, but they don't really have any, like, connection to it because of the fact, you know, it's England. They didn't really make the blues. They're just kind of like getting imports from America, and they're like, "This is awesome. We're gonna play this now." And then America's like, "Wait a minute, you guys are playing better than us. What are you doing?" But yeah, I like all that stuff. Well, it makes for interesting history too, because the '60s, like you said, is just a amalgamation of very strange events that have happened, like a famous book author on death row and john f kennedy and the hatred of catholics and music and drugs and just such a strange combination of things and even like you know like a lot of the drug stuff like like people were getting like this is i swear this is the last decade we're really going to talk about lsd (laughs) because this is this is really the this is kind of where it all comes to a head so after this it's it's no more i swear (laughs) but but um like it was legal then because it was there was no because most of the time when drugs are illegal it's because they have a pharmaceutical purpose but LSD, they didn't think they had it. Like, they were just like, this has no pharmaceutical purpose that can be abused. So we're just, like, we're not going to legalize it. Like, why would we? But then all these hippies started making it. And then you had uh, Owsley Stanley, who's like, who was basically the guy who was making it all for everybody everywhere. Like, 
in the sixties. Like he was just like made millions and millions and millions of hits of this stuff and was just like distributing it all over America. So basically like when people were talking about it, it was like really pure and just like I think he was he was just a really weird dude. He was a sound engineer and like he developed like the this huge like he like revolutionized like a lot of like live sound and stuff like that and like recording and stuff. And he was just a real. He was well, like a, he was hopped up on LSD. Yeah, <laughs> the entire time. He need. I mean, wow, these walls are soundproof. Well, he would in always. My mind. He, he would always <laughs> say that, like, uh, <laughs> he would say that, like, that if you weren't getting, like messed up while you were making it then you weren't making it right or something like that because it's just like because it's all this stuff's everywhere he's getting exposed to like but they called it but the there's a song by steely dan called kid charlemagne and it's all about like owsley stanley just like basically like he was just the man and he got like arrested and stuff like that and he had to like leave the dead and he was i think he was their the dead's like first manager but a lot of people don't really talk about him because he was a really like really good um like sound engineer because he was really concerned about just like the highest quality stuff he would record like all the shows and like play them back then it's like is this what you want your audience to hear just be like no so just like he's just tinkering and tinkering and then eventually in the 70s they make this giant like i want to say it's like a hundred foot wall of speakers they called it the wall of sound and it was just really loud, really clear. And just like, I think the bass had its own like 20 something foot stack of speakers just to make a, a giant standing bass wave or whatever like that. And it's just, if you look up pictures of it, it's just a, a massive behemoth thing, but it was just impossible to move around. So they only used it for like a few years. But, but yeah, he was... uh they, I don't know what they called him. They called him the like the LSD millionaire because he would just make all sorts of stuff. And since he was always selling stuff, he just had so much money he could always tinker around with sound equipment. Like he just basically just put all the money back into the Grateful Dead. <laughs> so we uh, it's funny. I mean, to this day, this still happens too. But we in the 60s are still seeing repercussions of World War II and just how devastating that war was. And to this day, there's a lot less repercussions. I mean, still, Jewish populations are lower, um, and really just populations of people who are genocided are generally still relatively low. Um, but also, the like Vietnam War, various other wars yeah. that have happened are was- very... It was one of the first wars that was televised, so a lot of people at home were yeah were seeing exactly what was happening. So they were, so they would see this and they'd be like, and a lot of these people that were getting drafted were, you know, a lot of these like these were young people probably watching this at home on their television and just watching their friends get shot in the head. Yeah, getting seeing their friends like getting burned in forests and all this Agent Orange and stuff like that and like just death everywhere just getting sent to die it and was even, a shell shock <laughs> and even like you know muhammad ali saying like i don't like you know i don't want to kill no Viet Cong. Viet Cong never did anything to me. me yeah yeah and it's just like and it's true it's like all these these kids getting sent off to 
to die. And, you know, so these kids are understandably getting angry because these are their peers. Like, these are probably people that they went to school with and were friends with, and they get sent off overseas and they don't come home. So they're obviously, they're angry and they're, you know, because this is their government, you know, they're supposed to be, like, they're probably taught growing up. It's like, yeah, the government's, you know, they're going to help you. And, like, they're seeing the government kind of fail them in a way. Yeah. And just, and so they hit the streets and they, and they're angry about it and they're, you know, expressing it in like music or expressing it, you know, and other stuff like art and whatever. And so it's just a lot of really just out of the, the turmoil of all that going on, just like all sorts of stuff like that just happen. Well, it's so interesting to me because their parents were the peoples who had fought in World War Two. Or their grandparents at that point. So, like, um, there was, and they had the mindset that, like, going to war was, like, a heroic thing to do. And then they see what's really going on over there. Yeah, and it's well, like and this... then they came back, and that's why the 40s and 50s were so boring in terms of, like, culture and massive political events or anything. Because people wanted to have the nice, quiet life that, you know, the 50s is stereotyped about yeah. because so many of them had seen war and death. And the fact that, like, those parents were so conservative at the time that they were against the kids protesting, even though they themselves had likely seen a lot of the horrors that are now being televised like or I, were now being televised. Like you have all these kids wanting to go out and make a difference. And I think especially, you know, experimenting with various mind expanding substances, I guess you could say, <laughs> I'm not saying all of them did, but I like, you know, I'm a super, Hero. There's a lot of people trying to like expand their minds through either meditation or, you know, because there's a lot of people getting into like the I Ching and stuff like various mythologies and whatever. And, uh, you know, or people doing various substances that, suppose, you know, whether <laughs> or not they expand your mind, I don't know. Maybe a lot of people seem to think they did. So there might be something to it. I don't know personally you you heard it here first but um (laughs) that's it we leave it at that but other you know and and all these these people that are trying to uh tap into something they're just like oh there's more to it than this this boring leave it to beaver crap so they're just like like let's go like look at this all this violence in the world let's try to get together and do something about the terrible things going on about in the my world. friends dying <laughs> so there's i think there was a lot of people trying to tap into the just the kind of human like collective unconscious kind of going on but i guess not really fully getting to the heart of it because it all just kind of at the end just really just fell apart because yeah. it you know it peaked and like it's like it's kind of like in i don't know if you've read fear and loathing in las vegas or seen the movie i have not but there's a part where uh, Hunter S. Thompson, he's basically just talking about the 60s and how it was just like, it was a big wave and it was just like, he's like, if you, know, if you stand somewhere like high enough, you can, you know, actually, I don't want to butcher it. So I'm going to try to like, <laughs> you're going to go grab it. I'm going to try to find, I'm going to read part of it because it's actually like really, really well done. It's a very impactful yeah. kind of thing. So 1961 is actually when Vietnam War begins um, with the, American helicopters of 400 soldiers arriving in Saigon. So, 1961 to, what, 73, something like that? We still have a decade before it ends, is uh, when that all happened with 
Vietnam. The Russians send the first man to space. John F. Kennedy uh, says he advises all prudent families to have a bomb shelter, which shows what is happening in the 60s with the fact that you could be nuked at any point during the day. Um, just telling them, bomb shelter. Just just do what you can. Hide under your desks, and hopefully you don't uh, get nuked and die. Uh, the uh, speaking of getting nuked and dying, in the fifties, the Russians had introduced an ICBM, an intercontinental ballistic missile, and America got very worried. <coughs> oh, excuse me. And America got very worried, so America spent years trying to figure out how to make their own ICBM, and they did. Um, it is called the Minuteman One. And it was an intercontinental ballistic missile capable of firing to Russia. Uh, the IBM C Selectric uh, typewriters introduced into the economy. Uh, speaking of other things like that, Barbie gets a boyfriend. Uh, I think we talked last time about Barbie. Her boyfriend is Ken. And Ken, Ken is introduced in 1961. Did you find it? Mm -hmm. You did? It's kind of long. I'm just going to read the end of it. It goes kind of like, it's like, it's like, I'm going to read just the last couple paragraphs because it's really long. It's a lot longer. Sure. Than I yeah, go ahead. Like, there was madness in any direction at any hour. If not across the bay, then up the Golden Gate or down 101 to Los An Altos or La Honda. You could strike sparks anywhere. There was a fantastical, there was a fantastic universal sense that whatever we were doing was right, that we were winning. And that I think that was the handle. That sense of, in, of inevitable victory over the forces of old and evil, not in any mean or military sense. We didn't need that. Our energy would simply prevail. There was no point in fighting on our side or theirs. We all had the momentum. We were riding the crest of a high and beautiful wave. So now, less than five years later, you can go up on a steep hill in Las Vegas and look west. And with the right kind of eyes, you can almost see the high water mark the place where the wave finally broke and rolled back. And that's it. That hit that, that hits hard. It's different. It's like and when I first read that like I was like cuz I like I'd read the book, you know, like I'd I'd read parts of it and like read but one the first time I actually sat down was like I'm going to read the whole book. Like I read that and I was like it's like I never heard it described in such like an eloquent way, like because it was yeah. kind of like that. Like there was a lot of optimism. I mean, some of it was kind of misplaced. Like there was a little too much, like you know, head in the clouds and feet off the ground kind of thing. <laughs> for multiple <laughs> reasons. For for many reasons. Definitely LSD reasons. That and <laughs> not only that, but just kind of like an escapism kind of thing going on, just like. Just yeah. not a lot of nitty-gritty. I mean, fear of being drafted into the military to go pretty much die, burn to death, and then fear of getting nuked at any moment by the Russians. Like, it... Yeah, and it's just... I would want to escape that. The There's the constant war, but it was it, was, it wasn't even... It was just, like... 
there wasn't it was like they kind of blew it you know what i mean like they had something going there was a lot of like to get it's like we should get together and like do something but i don't think they really knew how because they were just all kids yeah so like eventually the cia you know probably you know you had all these leaders getting killed and stuff like that like you had you had jfk you know and he was like he seemed hopeful everybody loved jfk whether and then the cia killed him and he wanted to abolish the cia which is probably why he got killed <laughs> and also he had dirty dealings too but i think that's i mean i don't really like a lot of presidents in I my, was about if you, to say Marilyn Manson, and then I'm like, wait a minute, that's uh, that, that's, <laughs> that's not his lover. <laughs> but there's just a lot of, you know. But I don't know. I kind of like Kennedy in the sense that he was like kind of like an everyman, like wanted to work for everybody. But at the same time, he did yeah. kind of like, you know, seedy stuff on the side. But you know, that just shows. Well, like, he's a human being. Everyone, no, nobody's perfect. You know, we're I kinda, going to get 20 years, 30 years from now, and find out what Bush and Obama and Trump and Biden all did on the side during their presidencies to affect how bad our economy is or how bad social lives are. Like, honestly, if you look back at any of them, like uh, Reagan is often heralded by Republicans as Jesus incarnate, and he had his shady dealings. Same thing with JFK as, uh, you know, the Democrats, Jesus incarnate. And all, all of these people who have been deified in history are just people like I they fe- do good things and they do bad things there's no inherent good or badness yeah. they just have good or bad actions yeah in terms of presidents i i, I try you know like there's a lot of political stuff but i just kind of i want to see like which ones like that are just the more that seem the most personable like the ones that were like you could sit down and like go to a bar and have a beer with and just kind of shoot the wind with, you know, shoot the breeze. Reagan, Roosevelt. Like I would, yeah, like you both know, both of those guys seem like they'd be pretty good. Probably JFK think, a little bit. I, I think I like I, I'd say out of all of them, I'd say JFK would be the one. It's like I would hang out with JFK. He seems like a really cool guy. That's a shame that uh, like he just seems like just like a regular dude. It's just like yeah, what's up? You know, I'm the young. It's probably because he was just the youngest out of all the presidents. I don't know. I would. I would. Ben Franklin was never the president, but uh, I would sit down and have probably a couple beers with that guy. Yeah, he, he seems. Was a, uh, he seems like a very interesting dude. One of his books is called Fart Proudly. <laughs> no, and, and, no, you're lying. I am not lying. <laughs> Fart Proudly. Hold on. Let me let me pull it up. But um, I mean, yeah, you had all these. While you're doing it, I'm just saying, you know, because all these heroes that people had, that young people had, you know, you had Kennedy, you know, he got, he gets killed. And all these people to this day that were alive then, they remember, at least they were old enough to know the weight of what happened when it happened. Like, they remember where they were, what they were doing when they found out Kennedy died and stuff like that. And then you had all these people, like, like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and all these other people and they get or even like Robert Kennedy even um and they all just get killed all yeah. assassinated and even like pop culture heroes like uh you know I guess like Janis Joplin or Jim Morrison or whatever and like Jimi Hendrix even like all these people that are just like legendary like even like Otis Redding and stuff like that all these legendary people 
that the youth really looked up to and they all just like at the end of the 60s they're just all they just all die one by one and it all just it's like it, it kind of it, it it began in violence and then it ended in violence it's just like a very it's a very sad beginning and ending of the 60s i gotta say i mean we've said it already we'll say it a million more times the 60s was just such a unique decade that everything happened like yeah it just the 50s are heralded as this golden age but the 60s it's like is you, where everything happened you can kind of uh like you with a lot of stuff you can kind of like you know like with world war one you can't really tell like when world war one began or whatever but like with the 60s like when it ended you can kind of start to tell exactly when it starts to end, especially around 1969, because you have, you know, like Woodstock is kind of the mm-hmm. end in the sense that it's the togetherness of it, but then they tried to do it again with its lesser-known cousin, Altamont. Now... Yeah, I've not heard of that one. Altamont was basically the West Coast was going to be the West Coast version of Woodstock. And it happened within months of Woodstock happening. And the Rolling Stones are going to be there. No one really knows who organized it. You know, like, it, it's kind of murky. You know, like, like some people say it was the Grateful Dead's fault. Some people say it was the Stones. Some people say it was whoever, whatever. It doesn't matter whose fault it was. But the thing that happened was they wanted to have it in Golden Gate Park. But the thing is, because there were a lot of free concerts going on, like in Golden Gate Park and other places, but the thing about those concerts was they were spontaneous. Oh. And so that, but Mick Jagger had, you know, he mistakenly announced that they were going to have a free concert in Golden Gate Park. So they were like, well, crap. Like, you've ruined, you know, we got to find another place to go. So they looked at a couple places and they found this this racetrack or whatever place called Altamont Speedway and all these people started going in. They had the Hells Angels, the uh, biker gang, because, like, at the other, I think the Human Being or whatever, one of the Lovins at San Francisco, they they weren't really security, but they were just kind of there. But they ended up, like, you know, helping lost kids and yeah. helping people out. But whereas with this place, they were, like, all right, the Hells Angels are the security. Which <laughs> Let's is, have a biker gang be security. That's which a scary thought. The Hells Angels were like the most infamous biker gang ever. Like Hunter S. Thompson's first, one of his first books is about basically his time with them. And I read it, and it was a very a disturbing book. <laughs> not disturbing. It's just like it's like these guys are literally animals, kind of thing. Like these are like Huns in this, like in America. <laughs> The but, Huns uh, of America. But, like, you know, and all this stuff happens, and the vibes are already, like, really, like, sinister. Like, the dead don't even play because they can just tell that what's going on is just, like, not good. They they cancel at the last minute. They're like, we're not playing here. And then it turns out uh, this, you know, the and the, the Hells Angels are beating people in the audience. They're beating Ooh. them up, and they're on drugs, and everyone, you know. Oh. And, like stuff like that just getting stomped for no reason and this guy pulls out a gun and then the hell and one of the hell's angels stabs this guy to death i forget his name i wish i could remember the guy's name who died but it was just like like when it happened it was just like, was it to defend himself or to shoot into the crowd i think he was defending himself 
because the hell's because these bikers were just beating people left and right for no reason and the stage was like three feet off the ground so people are like climbing onto the stage and it try was to... yeah it was it was just a total mess and like there's oh. footage of it and it's just like and even like during the part where like it all happens i think they're playing i want to say under my thumb or something like that but like even like the sound of that is just really Evil. like yeah it's really slow and just like i'm like it's a really good version i wish there was a higher quality version out there because it's just really sinister and it's just like but I feel kind of bad for the Rolling Stones because they kind of got a lot of the blame put onto them, and even some of the the Grateful Dead too. I mean, like they not really little, but they kind of like sidestep the whole thing. But like that's like one of the things which is like this is the the nail in the coffin because it was just like it was the same amount of people, like almost a quarter, maybe half a million people in this big piece of ground where all these music people were, and like you know even I think. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young were there too, and like they were talking about like they like there's reports like one of them just like bleeding just from stuff getting thrown at them because one of them got beat up or something like that. Yeah, just like it was just just the complete opposite, <laughs> like on opposite sides of the country and, and wow. opposite vibes. I had n- never heard of that. I knew about Woodstock, but I did not know that. That had it happened. I can't even remember the name. I know was... there were, and there were a lot of like music festivals. There was one they had a documentary come out this year, and I want to, I want to mention it because it's really worth watching. It's called Summer of Soul, and it's basically the, it's about the Harlem Cultural Festival, and they had all sorts of people there. They had the Staple Singers. They had the Fifth, I think, is the Fifth Dimension, uh, Stevie Wonder, uh, Sly and the Family Stone. And it's like basically like Woodstock in Harlem, and it went on like the whole summer, and it was just like, and it was all filmed and recorded, but it never saw the light of day until like recently. And it's really awesome. I watched it like around when it came out, and it was really good. It was amazing. You can watch it on Hulu with a premium subscription right and it's, now. And it's directed by uh, Questlove, and I really like Questlove because he yeah. like, he likes. He's a good drummer, and he he talks about like a lot of like great artists like Prince and like Rick James and stuff like that. And it's just like he knows he knows his stuff. He's got a really I like his taste. The scores for Summer of Soul: eight point two out of ten on IMDb, ninety nine percent Rotten Tomatoes, five out of five on Facebook, ninety two percent on Google. This is very highly rated. I have a Hulu a Hulu subscription, so. Why not? It's definitely worth a watch. I And it's really not that long. It's a little bit under two hours, which most movies, I guess, are hitting about two hours nowadays, two yeah. to two and a half hours. Unless you're a Marvel movie, then you're higher. And there's but, also another uh, thing that, along with Altamont, that kind of shut the 60s down, in a sense, was the infamous Manson family, those 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 evil people <laughs> well their makeup it's mostly uh you know charlie manson's fault cuz he's just i mean this guy he's really it's really weird when you look into the details of how it all went down because he's like this guy's been in and out of jail his whole life charles manson you know, all sorts of stuff, stealing cars, robbing people and whatever. 
and he gets released and he's like on parole and he's doing all this stuff he's like you know he's got these girls and whatever and he's you know having them hitchhike around so he's getting connections to people and he ends up connected with Dennis Wilson of the Beach Boys who's the drummer and like he's got all of his people living in his house and he's stealing his stuff and like trying to get him to like Charles Manson turns like I want you to make me get me a music record deal and then like you know he tries to and then the record company's like no we don't want him even though Charles Manson's music I will say I do like to listen because it's just very weird it's just kind of like weird folk songs I but I just like weird stuff like that but like you know all this stuff and then he's like all right we're gonna go the guy Terry Melcher was the guy like the record executive that turned him down and they're just like yeah we're gonna go to Terry Melcher's house and we're gonna kill everybody in the house and he gets all these kids and you know they're just like you know they run away from their parents they got like problems and he's just like manipulating them into doing all this messed up stuff like stealing and breaking the people's houses and like messing around with people's stuff and like just prowling around just being a menace and then eventually they're just like all right we're gonna kill all these people and we're gonna allegedly it was to start a race war or something like that the helter skelter thing i don't know about all that but people tried to make it like it was a cult or something some people say that the cia like the police and the authorities knew that like Charles Manson was violating his parole and they just let him get away with it. I don't know the uh, full extent of that, but pretty much after all that stuff happened, the Manson family killings, they thought, like, it's like, all oh, these hippies are dangerous. They're now killing people. We gotta stop it. And then after that, it just, it all fell apart. I think that happened in, like, August and then, like, it was, like, right around Woodstock when that happened and then a few months later it was Altima and that pretty much I think Altima happened in December I want to say October December I don't like, even know how to I don't even know how to spell that to search it up and Altima A L T A M A O N T no A L T A M O N T sorry I can't that was December 6 1969 oh was oh that's literally end of the 60s yeah (laughs) wow yeah it's just it's it's really messed there's a i think there's a a rolling stones film about it. it's uh i think it's called gimme shelter i haven't seen it i want to i've seen like all this i haven't seen the woodstock film because it's like three hours long i just want to make like a time to just watch all of it i've seen clips of it like i've seen uh santana i've seen I, i mean of course i've seen Jimi Hendrix playing the Star Spangled Banner because that's like one of the most famous things from there. I've heard, I've listened to the Grateful Dead said it, uh, Woodstock, but Woodstock in itself is really interesting because it's just like everyone talks about it's like, oh yeah, it's, it's awesome, it's Woodstock, but like to the people playing, it was like, it was great socially, but playing there was kind of, it kind of sucked because it just rained the whole time. Like, literally, there's, like, people talking about how they're just getting electrocuted on stage because there's just water everywhere and, like, everything's... Because since the soil is just soaked in water from just constant rain, like, there's no ground. So, like, the Great Bull that are just talking about, it's like, yeah, we really blew Woodstock. That's why they're, like, not in the movie and a lot of people don't really know they played there. Because, like, they came on, like, 
just all these delays because Owsley Stanley's with his obsessive tinkering with being a sound engineer he's trying to make it perfect but like the sound system is just not having it and they're just getting meanwhile the band they're just getting electrocuted on stage and stuff like that trying to play their like from touching their instruments and that just sounds like a nightmare to me i'm reading a little bit about uh altamont and four people died one person drowned in an irrigation ditch really yeah, two men were killed in a hit and run after the show, and a black 18-year-old named Meredith Hunter. That's it, Meredith Hunter. She was stabbed multiple times by Alan Passaro, uh, who was one of the Hell's Angels providing security, and she died before think, no, the it was Stones a guy. finished playing. Oh? Yeah, Meredith Hunter is a guy. Mer- and it's crazy because you can see it in the in the footage. Like, you don't really see it in detail because it's a little bit far away, but, like, you can kind of see him pull the thing out, and then just like, and all of a sudden, these Hell's Angels just swarm on this guy, and it's just like, oh my god. You are correct. Meredith Hunter is a guy born 1953 in California, died December 6, 1969. Uh, he was wearing a, like, actually really cool looking, like, teal turquoise suit jacket that day. 18 years old. Alan Passaro killed him. Um, and actually, I will have one of the 70s songs that's about, kind of about Altamont by the dead. Because I, I really tried to resist playing any Grateful Dead stuff on the... Uh, yeah, <laughs> in the 60s. Yeah, honestly, picking the music out for this week was very difficult. I, <laughs> I had a lot of... There's a lot of songs that I left out, like by the band, by like Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention and stuff like that. Like, it was, it was really hard for me. <laughs> so I, I'm going to bring us back a little bit, uh, back to Fart Proudly, because you had asked about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ben Franklin wrote it. Um, it is a basically a joke. There was a contest uh, which would give a medal and a bunch of money. And he was like, okay, I'm going to write this letter to these people. And Fart Proudly was a joke. Franklin was a uh, a very interesting human, a very funny man known for his sense of humor. Uh, and apparently he did like to fart. Um, but the letter basically says, you people, you nobles, like to smell your own fart, even though you pretend to be disgusted by it. <laughs> And that's pretty much the gist of the letter. It's very funny. It got me into uh, reading about farts um, (laughs) and some of the names for it. The Air Biscuit, the Barking Spider, um, and naturally, I then had to ask, well, what do the British call it? What are British words for fart? And it's the horse and cart, the raspberry tart, heart and dart, and the doily cart. It's basically anything that isn't fart that rhymes with it. Uh, That's what I was thinking. Uh, And another fun fact real quick. Um, (laughs) Well, the last thing I see is, can I buy a king cobra? (laughs) (laughs) What does that have to do? Uh, So spiders can fart. Snakes can fart. uh, But the most interesting fact out of all of this is that hippos have the loudest fart in the world. There you go. Hippos are nuts. 
This is this is uh, information you now know. So back to 1961, uh, John F. Kennedy creates the Peace Corps. Um, he orders the U.S. Marshals to provide protection for the Freedom Riders. Um, oh man, the Freedom Riders! I forgot about that. The minimum wage is shot up from one dollar an hour to one dollar and twenty-five cents. Uh, and then Kennedy proposes the Moon Program. Um, he addresses Congress and says, we are going to land a man on the moon by the end of the decade, which is a very famous speech. Yes, we will go to the moon not because it is easy, but because it is hard. So 1961, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird becomes a bestseller. That's a good book. Vietnam War officially begins, like I said earlier. Uh, General Hospital debuts on ABC, which is a long-running soap opera. Um, baseball player Roger Maris of the New York Yankees hits his 61st home run in the late game of the season against uh, Boston Red Sox and beats Babe Ruth's record. And this is what I find the most interesting thing that happened. I mean, there's a lot of fun things that happened in 1961. We started the Vietnam War. But uh, Adolf Eichmann, this is why I said earlier that we still see repercussions of World War II Adolf Eichmann is pronounced guilty of crimes against humanity by a panel of three Israeli judge, judges. So the reason Adolf Eichmann is interesting, he was German-Austrian. He was an SS Obersturman von Fuhrer. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but the reason why this is interesting, he was one of the major organizers of the Holocaust. Um, and he was someone who said, uh, or he was one of the, what Hitler called the final solution to the Jewish question. Um, and he basically was tasked by the SS to deport, uh, do mass deportations to the extermination camps. Uh, and he is tried, convicted in Israel. And I think he's also killed that year. Uh, appeals and execution. Uh, Israeli Supreme Court says this guy's a bad guy. Um, he is... Sorry, I'm a, uh, ah, he petitions the Israeli president after he's convicted for clemency. And the letter was released to the public in 2016. This letter that he wrote, which would be probably an interesting letter. Um, basically saying, I don't want to die. <laughs> uh, he then had his proposal rejected for clemency. And was told on the 31st of May, 1961... Um, the execution was attended by a small group of financials. Uh, it was scheduled for a hanging was scheduled for end of May, uh, 19 or er, the 31st of May. Um, and Eichmann's last words were long live Germany, long live Argentina, long live Austria. These are the three countries which have, or with which I have been most connected in 
which I will never forget. I greet my wife, my family, and my friends. I'm ready. We'll meet again soon. As is the fate of all men, I die believing in God. Which is, knowing how bad of a person he was, an interesting final statement um, as he was hanged. It's... The guy doesn't atone for his sins. He basically is just like... I liked being a Nazi, and thus I would like clemency because I was brainwashed. And, you know, he uh, he died. <laughs> I, I just think that was very interesting because of that being 20 years old, that he, uh, he was still picked up for that. I mean, it's not like his crimes were ever... And there's still people getting tried for, uh, like, former Nazis getting tried to this day. Really? Yeah, I forget the names of them, but there's a couple of them, like so, someone that was like a concentration camp guard or something like that that was recently, like he was in his 90s and he was uh, tried for crimes against humanity. Like they're still finding Nazis and they're still trying. 100-year-old SS guard in court in Germany. Yeah, they're not playing around. They're still going wow. after those guys. This is something I never knew. Um, wow. That's really cool history. I mean... I can't believe it myself. I was going to say, it sucks that all that happened, but as a historian myself, I find that... I mean, these people lived the history we just talked about and was years ago, 80 years ago. Um, You can't outrun your past. Well, no, but it's just... Wow. I know it's those cool. those thoughts that it's like whether or not they uh, like regretted it or anything like that. I don't know, but I feel like a lot of those folks still have to answer for what they did. It just clicked with me. The beginning of the Suicide Squad shows a person in prison. Um, I can't remember the character's name at all, uh, but I was trying to figure out the there's... new one, the James Gunn one. Yeah, that the movie's new one. good. Um, and the opening, you know, the opening where he's in his cell by himself with the bird and the cell's just empty and there's a singular chair. Yeah. There's a picture of Eichmann in the exact same, well, not the exact same cell, but like a very similar looking cell and a singular chair. Oh, really? And I'm like, I was trying to figure out, I'm like, why does this look so... Can I see it? (laughs) I mean, yeah, I'll just flip my laptop for you right here. It does kind of look like that. Because he's, he's in an empty cell. There's a chair, and it's just him. Huh. Well, and, like, even the look of the walls and the ground, and there's, like, a little bit of sand. and Wow. Huh. I wonder if he drew inspiration from that or had no idea, and it just so happens to be a quinky dink. Maybe. But, uh, wow. So, interesting. I, I had no idea that the 100-year-old Nazi in Germany was still... It was like tried. I didn't yeah. even know he existed. That is a really interesting fact. Um, anyways, hopefully we're going to be done with these guys because I'm I'm kind of getting sick and tired of he's you know the 30s and the 40s were all about the Nazis and the world and the awful stuff that they were doing. These pesky Nazis. And these pesky Nazis. They always get in the way. They're just uh, bad people. I I don't even know how to express my discontent with getting into the 60s and still hearing about Nazis. Yeah. Um, like, the Nuremberg trials were in the 40s. Let's, let's just make sure the Nazis are dead and live our lives. 
so the uh oh i was about to skip forward way too far oh no no, no. i was not about to skip forward way too far 1962 uh beatles released a record called my bonnie um tony sheridan yes tony sheridan uh it's released by polydor or polydor Rolling Stones make their debut at London's Marquee Club on number 165 Oxford Street. John Lennon secretly marries Cynthia Powell. Yeah, they had to try to hide the fact that he was married for like years just to keep like so like all of like the Beatle maniac little girls would be would, upset. Yep. <laughs> I find uh, that really funny. Doctor No is the first James Bond film. And it premieres in UK theaters. October 12th, the infamous Columbus Day Storm strikes the U.S. Pacific Northwest with wind blown down and $233 million in U.S. damages. Um, there are 46 dead and 11 billion board feet of timber. Or what? Blah, 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 blah. Wind gusts up to 170 miles per hour, 46 dead, 11 billion board uh boards of timber are blown down so like buildings i don't know <laughs> very strange way to phrase it uh here's a fun one so you know how we we're talking about the bay of bigs well before that happens we get something on october 14th jfk is in office it's called the cuban missile crisis Woo! i do remember that so a u2 flight over cuba takes photos of Soviet nuclear weapons being installed. And then a standoff ensues the next day between the United States and the Soviet Union threatening the world with nuclear war. This was the closest in history ever that we have come to just nuking everything and starting over. I, uh, it was a very scary moment. Um, they were hours away from doing it. It was, it's ridiculous to think that if they had just waited two or three hours, we wouldn't be here today. Or if we are here today, we're mutated pig things. <laughs> mutated pig things. <laughs> so, Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, John F. Kennedy announces the existence of Soviet missiles in Cuba, Cuba, uh, on... Uh, what is that? That's eight days later. So October 14th, Cuban Missile Crisis. October 22nd, he's like, by the way, America, the reason we all almost died was because uh, what happened eight days ago in Cuba, and they have missiles now. Also, Cuba, you can swim to Cuba from Florida. So missiles being that close to home, very scary. On October 28th... Um, Soviet Union leader Nikita Khrushchev announces that he has ordered the removal of Soviet missiles in Cuba. So, 14 days later, two weeks later, the, the crisis is solved because America's like, Hey, 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 you can't have missiles this close. We're going to blow you up. And then Russia's like, you know what? Yeah, this was kind of a bad idea. We probably shouldn't have done this. We're going to bring those back now. Pretend it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, personal computer is termed in the, er, by the media in 1962. 
Animal House, American Gra Graffiti. Uh, They're set in 1962. I don't know why that's a relevant fact. Uh, ABC begins color telecast for three and a half hours a week in 1962. So we're still... 1960 was the first time we saw that color television. No, no. 1950 was the color televisions. And then throughout the 50s, we start to see more and more color TVs, but a lot of people couldn't afford them. 60s is where we start to get affordable ones. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't be broadcasting in color television three and a half hours a week. I saw a video the other day of the 1950s. Um, I'll have to send it to you. Basically, someone took 1950s footage of driving through the streets of New York and colorized it. Oh, really? They, like, reverse black and white it. I, I don't know how it was done. And it's so surreal to just... Because, I mean, you see so much stuff in the 50s as even modern-day recreations of the 50s. Everything about it is so, like, fake-looking. Yeah. And then this guy just driving through and the cars going by and the people, and it just... It doesn't look real. It doesn't look like it ever happened. Because of the great... It's just the big separation. Yeah, it's just... It's it's really shell shocking. I I highly recommend looking it up um, if you get the chance to. I saw it's just, one video. Wow. I, th I think it was from the fifties or the early sixties, or it might have been as early as the forties. I don't remember, but it was basically like around like California, and how like it used to all just be like orange groves and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm just seeing. I'm just like, wow, man. Like all this stuff is just like it's just, gone now. Yeah. Like Orange County, Orange County used to literally just be orange groves, and that was it. And now, now there's just county. It's county county. Yeah, it's just county. They still Old call county. it. They still call it Orange County, but there's not a whole lot of oranges out there, I guess. So, uh, 1962. Um, I don't think I have too much else for 1962. Uh, the Beatles released their first album, Please Please Me, I think in 1962. Ah, this is good. U.S. Steel. Do you know them? Sound familiar? U.S. Steel announces that it's raising prices just weeks after President Kenny convinced the Steelworkers Union to temper its wage demands. Kennedy gets angry with U.S. Steel. And the eternal, or Attorney General Robert Kennedy adds further to business annexities by convening a grand jury uh, investigation of the steel giant. The stock market falls with a 6% drop on May 28th, a singular day. So, U.S. Steel. The U.S. Steel, uh, oh, sorry, it's still around today. Um, it's actually dropping in stock right now. Huh. <laughs> Basically, what happens here is Kennedy tells them what they can and can't do, uh, and U.S. Steel is like, this is stupid. So they were a large provider of military uh, steel and basically said, all right, Kennedy, we're no longer going to provide that steel to you. Uh, basically what happens here is I believe Kennedy loses the battle, like the little arguments that they have with each other. Um, and 
the uh, get a bunch of steel workers getting laid off. You get a bunch of steel bands. It's it's really strange. It's a strange thing that happens. And when you think Kennedy, you don't think of U.S. Steel. But it was just it was strange. I believe this is no no I'm wrong. I was about to say this is where the term redneck comes from, but no, that's a little bit later. Um, in 1962, since we're here, National Guard desegregates Ole Miss. Um, Kennedy orders federal troops and the federalized National Guard to enter the campus of the University of Mississippi to enforce court-ordered admission of James Meredith, who is the first African-American uh, student in Ole Miss, and I believe he's the first college student. Uh, give me a second here. The... Man, if only I knew my facts today. Yes, first black student to attend the University of Mississippi. So he's not the first college student. Um, I guess that makes sense because, you know, <laughs> there were there were at least segregated colleges before that, I think. I don't know. I don't know the history of that. But uh, he's the first black student to attend University of Mississippi, which is interesting because it's Mississippi and in the South. Uh, I think that's about it for 1962. Uh, Diet Right is the first sugar-free soda, and pull tabs on cans are introduced, so the whole, uh, ah. we'll jump up to 1963, and oh boy, was this year. We only have 20 minutes left, and we're <laughs> only at 1963. This could be a two-episode, uh, oh, the 60s. It so, very well could 1963. Be. John F. Kennedy is assassinated. His head goes kaboom. Um, I don't know if you ever watched this. In high school, we watched this video of Kennedy being assassinated and then video of his wife holding his head. In the, uh, high school, I watched that. I was like, The Zapruder uh, film? Uh, yes. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. I. I don't know why I watched it as a freshman in high school, but it was like shell shocking to me. I'm like, oh my god! I, I think I watched that's it. That's how he died. I feel like I watched it in like eighth grade because it was like, it was literally like the fiftieth anniversary of it, and we were like Ooh. talking about it. Yeah, that was that was very shocking for me as a young teenager to just see that. It really smacked me in the face. I mean, it's a it's a murder most foul. It is the magic bullet. I mean. I mean, who knows, like, who did if it was Lee Harvey Oswald or what, if there was a conspiracy. I, I think there was something going on. Well, I can't definitively say what was going on, but I know something went on the that Kennedy we don't files, know about. When those were released, oh, man, I got to look that up now. I remember of, the Kennedy files being released. Were a lot of them, like, black edited? So, uh, let me pull it up. So what happens is... The 2017 is when this happens. Um, the files. Oh, my mask is on the ground. Give me a second. Ow. I slam my head against the desk. Um, so basically, what happens is, and I learned this as a kid too the magic bullet. There are two bullets fired. Or, sorry, there's one bullet fired. The bullet is fired. It hits him, bounces around the car, and then hits him again. 
and everyone's like, that's not how bullets work. That's, like, it doesn't just bounce around the car and then hit him exactly in the head or wherever it hit him the second time. Yeah. So that was the magic bullet, and it kind of became this conspiracy theory about a second shooter. And everyone was trying to figure out what was happening. And what the CIA does um, is they convince everyone of this magic bullet, and they continue investigating. And they can never find the second shooter. And so, after never finding the second shooter, that was the whole magic bullet theory. They said, you know, this works. Here's the evidence and why it can work. And scientists are like, that's not how that works. And uh, in 2017, they released the Kennedy Files, which says there was a second shooter, and we still don't know who it is, who it was. This person got away with assassinating a president. And 60 years later, we still don't know who it is. Now, to be fair, it is the government. So if they're lying to us and saying, oh, we don't know who it is, wink, wink, laughs in CIA, then, you know, I wouldn't put it past them for that. But when they released the Kennedy Files, that's what the Kennedy Files had said, that their magic bullet is a stupid theory that they gave to the public to go with. The CIA is a very, very scary organization. Cause like, I mean, well, yeah, because uh, oh. he did want to abolish the CIA, and very soon after, he was dead. Well, and then you have stuff like Malcolm X and the Black Panthers, where CIA was basically infiltrating and making the riots turn. Well, I, I guess they were and riots even, at the time, making the protests turn even into the, riots. And even the riots, like a lot of the reporting is just like. They not true wrong. like yeah the, like the watts riots like they said that it started because a cop kicked a pregnant lady or something like that and that did not happen there was no proof of that happening that didn't happen but like i don't know what exactly started the watts riots i mean something did happen but it wasn't a co- it was like i think like like all you had all these newspapers trying to like get the the story you know like that that oh yeah this is the hot story yeah, it was juicy good they got they resorted to just making stuff up yeah well you know when it came to a lot of the protests it just was a lot of it was made up like they needed reason to basically keep people angry and to keep things the way they were because of a lot of conservatives at the time and things don't change that's right yeah well i mean Uh, funny saying this as a member of the media just give us give them a bunch of money and like see what happens when you hand over a bunch of money to people and tell them okay now go report the story i mean that's what happened with credit cards that's what happened with uh like coca-cola that's what happened with uh like muscle milk and all of those things that slim fast all of them that say hey we're going to give researchers a whole bunch of money. They're going to then research and then sway the research and then publish it and it'll be official. And then when other scientists come along and say, this is wrong, this is dumb, then we can say, well, look, the research is already published. So companies, especially food companies, are known for doing this. I mean, tobacco is not food, but uh, it, it is also one of the companies that they hid for years that it caused cancer because last time we talked about it 
a decade previously, almost exactly, 1952-53, they discover tobacco. Or tobacco. They discover that tobacco can cause lung cancer if you're smoking cigarettes. And they held that back because what happens to the industry? Once you figure out the product that you are giving people kills people, well, you don't have a business anymore. So it's better to hide that information. And then people started doing tests on that and realized, hey, you can't just hide this information. And then you bring it forward and say, oh, we found the same thing, so we're going to make it safer now. And and It's a shame. A lot of businesses do that. And I mean, they're even advertising it in like cartoons and stuff like that cigarettes candy cigarettes candy cigarettes which are now called like candy sticks because they're not allowed to be called that because it but makes... even the packaging still looks like a pack of cigarettes exactly and it's all like just they look, like they're designed to look like like lucky strike and stuff like that oh, it, it it makes me feel sad i mean i know as a kid i would like put a pretzel in my mouth and pretend i was smoking and i i don't even like cigarettes it yeah. just cigarettes are gross you're so easily swayed i don't mind cigars though every now and then yeah i've got some buddies who enjoy well we have some buddies that enjoy cigars um i came home one day on oh yeah that's whose birthday it was i I came home one day on jimmy's birthday and he and my roommate were just sitting out in front of the uh uh, in front of my apartment on a rock and just smoking and telling stories. I'm like, oh, well, this looks like a, this looks like a fun time. I didn't smoke, but like, it, it that type of stuff was very influential. Um, like, smoking and all that to, even it's, the '60s. But uh, yikes. Uh, what's very interesting. This is history now, and we can talk about it a little bit. I I don't know if we ever get to the 2010s if we're going to do that because that might be too recent but uh trump delayed the jfk files from being released multiple times really yeah um which is what led to like super conspiracy theories but it was just trump was the second shooter (laughs) i mean he was around at that time right i don't know he's probably a kid wasn't he yeah when what was he born i don't (laughs) not just make that'd be funny though he was, I put born date. He was born 1946. Oh, so he's. He is. He was like 15. Yeah, he, he's roughly, I guess he's roughly 15, 20 years younger or older than I thought he was. So I was thinking he was in his 60s and he's, yeah, he's in like his se- 70s. He's like 70 something. You'd think I would, you know, with him being the former president, I would know the age. But to be fair, I guess I don't know Joe Biden's age either. I don't know. I don't. I I just I try not to follow these darn these dang old presidents Joe nowadays. Joe Biden was born in 1942 when World War II started. Do you know how ridiculous it is that the people running the country were born in the 40s and we're going over this history and those people are still around today? I mean, I guess it makes sense because, you know, the hundred-year-old Nazi trial. But like, strange. These people all lived during 40s and 50s and 60s. A lot of them are really out of touch yeah i'm just i'm shell-shocked going through history and talking about the 50s and the 60s and 70s and how how they influenced the world and then people who lived during that are influencing the country today it's just this is really weird to think about it's so strange because what's history to us is the past to these people it's like that was was their way of life 
Joe Biden is also three years older than Donald Trump. Interesting. Nancy Pelosi is three years older than Joe Biden. She's 81. Whoa. Whew. And it shows. <laughs> but, yeah, strange. So strange. It'll be interesting. Oh, what a wonderful picture of Vladimir Putin I just pulled up. He's just... He always looks like that. <laughs> His face is just so, like, he's not smiling. Or if he is, it's, like, a really weak smile. Even when he's, he's not looking at the camera. He's just kind of looking down. Even when he smiles, he's just, like... Creepy looking. He's a, he's a, Man, he's we're a, talking about... We're dissing the CIA. We're dissing Putin. We're dissing the Soviet Union today. We're going to... We're gonna. We got a lot of targets on our back. I was gonna say. I'm like, we're not here next Monday. Yikes. The uh, you know, well, you know, one of them got us. You don't know which one, but it's okay. We'll have the files released in 50, 60 years, and we'll finally know what happened to us. But uh, yikes. So, 1963. Let's start it off strong. Speaking of us getting assassinated, John Kennedy. Uh, we talked a little bit about that already. I am Bob just Dylan going in circles. Bob Dylan came out with a song about that. It's like 15 minutes long. It's called "A Murder Most Foul." Mm-hmm. It's pretty. It's pretty good. It's it's pretty famous. At least the title is. Um, Congress enacts equal pay for equal work legislation for women, 1963. Uh, Two thirds of the world's automobiles are in the United States. Wow. Uh, Marilyn Monroe is found dead of an apparent overdose. And it becomes a very, very controversial death. Um, A lot of dirty pool there. Yes, a a lot of maybe CIA again. Um, But what can I say? I'm a 22-year-old in college. I don't... I know my history. So, the Whiskey A Go-Go nightclub in Los Angeles, California Ah. is the first disco in the United States. Whiskey a go go. Yep, they uh they've got a bit of a history to them. Oh yes, quite a bit. But they're got they're, the they're Doors the and all these famous disco. people. A lot of famous. There's a lot of venues in like L.A. and like California and like even New York that are really, really famous places. You got like the Fillmore and stuff like that. The Fillmore is actually still around today. Yes, uh, I'm thinking Guys and Dolls. We did that in high school, and they talk about the Fillmore Hotel. I don't know if there's that. I don't. I don't know about the Fillmore Hotel. Or maybe it's just the Fillmore. I don't. I don't remember. It's the the, it's the Fillmore Auditorium. Ah, in well, they don't San say Auditorium. Francisco. Fillmore. You got the Fillmore West too, and the Fillmore East in New York. I keep slamming I my head against <laughs> this. Oh. I gotta put this back. But the Fillmore East, you got like you know the Almond Brothers and stuff like that. A lot of like, kind of a lot of these are like really old like ballrooms and theaters and stuff. Yeah. That uh, and they were owned a lot of them by Bill Graham, who would uh who would put like a lot of different people on the same bill like really like famous people, and also like you know not so famous people like it would be like for example i think it was in 1969 at the fillmore west they put miles davis and the grateful dead on the same bill so like you get like old heroes like chuck berry or they would and they would also put like a newer act like i don't know quicksilver messenger service or something like that so like the way he would uh 
set up bills and promote acts, he would do it to like not only amplify older acts, you know, like mainstays with uh, newer acts too. But then it all started to fall apart in like the early 70s because people wanted more money and yada, 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 you know. Like so, even like Led Zeppelin, I think he like they would play a lot of those places and Cream and stuff just to like introduce overseas acts to American audiences. It's very interesting, Bill Graham. Not to be confused with Billy Graham, who yeah. was also super popular at this time. Um, Bill Graham was a German American, so uh, he died in 1991 in a helicopter crash. Everyone yeah. dies in a helicopter or an airplane crash. I know. Um, if they have anything to do with the music industry, that's like you're 90 percent likely to Skinner, die. Leonard Skinner, Buddy Holly, you know, like. oh, the day the music died. Oh, yes. So, July 4th, 1939, he was sent from Germany to France, of course, to escape the Nazis, because it's 1963 and the Nazis are still impacting the world to this day. Uh, Bill Graham, at age 10, then found a foster home in the Bronx in New York. And, man, that what a what an early life. Um, 1931 was when he was born, so he escaped Nazi Germany when he was eight years old. Yeah, before the war started. Bill Graham is a really interesting guy. Wow, that's a lot. And like, he owns all these like famous like these venues, and he's known for promoting these like amazing acts. Like, if it weren't for Bill Graham, like like I said earlier, like Santana, like Carlos Santana, if it weren't for Bill Graham, they wouldn't. Because, like, when they played Woodstock, nobody really knew who Santana was. Nobody had ever heard of them. And he comes out, and he's like, and Carlos Santana, he's, you know, he's a little under the influence of, of you LSD. know. Yes. <laughs> he wasn't supposed to go on at the time he went on, because I thought, I guess, like, he was supposed to go on, like, the next day. And so the Grateful Dead... Because since they have Owsley Stanley in their ranks, uh, they give him some very powerful stuff, and he's <laughs> he's he's in another dimension. Next thing you know, someone comes up like, "You play now? You go out there and play right now, or you're not playing at all." So he goes out there, <laughs> and he kills it. He totally kills it, and he's like, "There's this video of him, and you can tell that he's like, and and later interviews Just like so Car- far gone. <laughs> Carlos Santana, he's talking about it's like." It's like, yeah, my guitar turned into a snake, and I was trying to like, <laughs> I was trying to like keep it wrangled in, and the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, I just, like, he's praying to God, and he's saying, it's like, I just let me play in time and in tune, <laughs> the whole time. That's like his mantra. It's like, let me play in time and in tune, and you would never know other than just watching him just go like he's moving around but he's he is <laughs> fighting a snake <laughs> he is murdering it he is playing so well and and never and after that everybody knew who like who he was everyone just knew just because Santana. he was hopped up <laughs> that and like also like you know like he's playing like soul sacrifice and stuff like that's like 12 minutes long and he's just like just playing through yeah oh my I, god and it's awesome to watch cuz he's just like i said he's just totally just killing it absolutely just murdering it and that's like one of the like they hadn't even been around that long at that point like literally no one knew who they were and they just come out and just kill it 
I love that. Ah, so Bill Graham. His I was curious about this. His German name is Wolf Walodi Granjonka. I did not know that. Yeah. I didn't even know he escaped the Nazis and stuff like that. I didn't that. know any of that either, but like uh he's also referred to as Uncle Bobo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and probably heard he was like a real taskmaster, like a real tough, like hard guy, but that's just the way he is. I mean, you know, he grew up in like the Bronx and stuff like that. So we're gonna have to stop at uh probably nineteen sixty five. So I'm gonna rush through these next two years so that way we can Yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna do have the sixties again next week. <laughs> I'll, I'll the sixties. That's part per- two. That's perfect. I'm gonna have to pick some more music too. Yes. <laughs> um so nineteen sixty three uh, where was I just at? Uh, Pasty Klein. Patsy, Patsy Klein. Patsy I'm sorry. Klein. I love Patsy I Klein. read that wrong. Uh, yeah, she's killed in a plane crash. Oh, man. Yep. She, uh, I didn't know she died that way. Yeah, she and the rest of really anyone who was famous has either been assassinated or died mysteriously in plane crashes. Um, so sad. Wow. Uh, All these heroes, and they're just... You just get cut down in their prime, man. Well, I'll let you know, this person didn't die in a plane crash. He died in a different way. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. issues his letter from Birmingham jail in 1963, which is a very, very famous letter. Yeah. If you haven't read, definitely go read it. I do need to read that. I I have heard about his letter from... I read it multiple times in high school. Um, It's pretty interesting. I need to read that. So, next... Uh, the previous year, the first ever Diet Cola had come out. Now, Coca-Cola... Uh, who was the fir- what was the first Diet Cola? Who came out with it? Uh, that was Diet Right. Diet Right. Is that still around? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's not. Um, Diet Right was introduced 63 years ago. Uh, I'm wrong. It is still around. Um, <laughs> I guess it was a competitor to Coke and RC Cola. Diet right? Wow. Okay. Alrighty. Yeah. So that's still around. Uh, you could, you could, uh, the closest place to buy it right now is at the Walmart Supercenter. Or Kroger. Or Target. Huh. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so, Coca-Cola, a year later, um, 1963, says, hey, Tab Cola. That's our first diet drink. Cool. Um, Dr. No is shown in American theaters uh, a year after it came out. Uh, the In Saigon, a Buddhist monk... I'm not even going to attempt to say his name. Uh, commits self-immolation, which means he just, you know, set himself on fire. I remember this. We talked about this in high school. I don't remember this, but oh, like is that that famous photo of the? Yeah, he's just like sitting there burning or whatever. Yeah, didn't they use that on the cover of the Rage Against the Machine album? Yep. Yeah, that that picture just like yeah, is he's really... he sets himself on fire because uh, he's protesting the oppression of Buddhists by the also not going to say that name because I don't know how to say it (laughs) Um, zip codes are introduced in the US in 1963 
What do they use those for? I've always wondered. 43082. It uh, helps tell your location. That's Westerville, uh, 43082. No, yeah, I know that. But just all like, that stuff. I always wondered, like, the purpose of them. Is it for, like, mailing stuff? Well, or so, like, where I live, there are multiple exact addresses. By having a zip code, it's also for mailing. Um, it helps differentiate if you're talking about, you know, Otterbein, Westerville, or Otterbein, California, which I don't know if it, that even exists. Uh, 1963, Doctor Who is broadcast in the United Kingdom. Oh, yes. Yes, good old Doctor Who. <laughs> I, love, I love the old Doctor Who. Um, I want to hold your hand. And I saw her standing there. I don't remember how that one goes. Are released in the U.S., uh, which begins Beatlemania. 1964. Oh, good. This is a smaller year. Ford Motors introduces the Mustang. Oh, yeah. Uh, Studebaker Picard introduces seatbelts as standard equipment. Uh, plans to build the New York World Trade Center are announced. The Beatles vault to number one on the U.S. singles chart. With is that the, the same year they played the Ed Sullivan show? The Beatles appear on the Ed Sullivan Show, making their first live performance. Seen by an estimated 73 million viewers, the appearance comes to the catalyst of the mid-60s British invasion. I think they played on, like, an American show before the Ed Sullivan Show, but it just wasn't as big. But the Ed Sullivan Show was the one that, like, was like, whoa, man, it's the Beatles and they're here. Yeah, Wow. But uh, uh, I remember my my mama was telling was talking about when she was watching that on TV, and my great grandpa he was like, you know, he was like, he was a spy in World War Two stuff like that. He spied on the Nazis, and he was just like saw a lot of action, and he liked like Glenn Miller and stuff. He liked big band stuff. So when he saw the <laughs> my mama was telling like when the when they shook their heads and they go like woo, you know what I mean, like <laughs> like they used to do, he was. <laughs> He saw them do that, and he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. What is this? Well, that same year, um, I Want to Hold Your Hand came out at the end of the previous year. It hit number one, and then the Beatles had the top five positions on the Billboard Top 40. So, Can't Buy Me Love, Twist and Shout, She Loves You, I Want to Hold Your Hand, and Please Please Me. You know, weirdly enough, I think it was uh, for I Want to Hold Your Hand and... She Loves You. They actually recorded German. They sang. It was the same songs, but with German lyrics. Because since they were, since they had like an audience in Germany from playing all these German clubs, they recorded them. And they, since they also like knew German too. So they're like, you have to, you have to sing these songs. You have to have these songs and you have to have German versions of these songs so that your German audience will like, you know, yeah, <laughs> so well, you'll be bigger. But, like, that's the only time I can ever think of where they, they did something like that. And I remember, like, I listened to it, and I was like, this is awesome. I love it. And it's like, <laughs> it's just, I want to hold your hand, but in German. Yes. I, uh, you remember when we watched Jojo yeah. Rabbit? Yeah, it's that in was there. in it. Yeah. yeah. Like, when I heard that, like, like I was like, oh, they're going to play, like, it's like, oh, they're playing I want to hold your hand. And then, like, I, I saw them. They like, start singing it was in a, German, I was and you're like, like yes. Uh-huh. I was like, yeah. That, like, I knew about it before then, because, like. When I was a a wee lad in middle school, I had an obsessive 
Beatles phase where I just listened to literally everything by them. I listened to all their <laughs> albums and stuff, and I listened to some bootlegs too, and I just was like, learned everything I could about them. So like then I listened to like the German ones, and at first I was like, what is this? Why why do they have these? Why is this a thing? And I found out the context of why they did it, and I was like, that's kind of funny, honestly. This, yeah. And then I heard it in Jojo Rabbit, and I was like, yes. finally someone uses it in something. <laughs> so um, we're – well, I'll, I'll get into this in a minute or two. We're going to end on a very happy note. Uh, so the thing that was invented in the 1900s, 1910s, planes, uh, turns out that they are just – terrible if you're famous never ride a plane ne- never fly in a plane you'll just you'll die yeah. uh and to to end jim reeves who is age 40 is killed when his private plane crashes in a thunderstorm near nashville tennessee oh darn <laughs> i think we just went two or three years of just musicians dying in plane and helicopter crashes uh what 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 a terrible terrible invention nobody likes flight no. i'd rather walk let me let me walk you know 14 hours down to florida or whatever i don't like <laughs> flying because i'm worried about crashing i don't like flying because it makes me tired are you famous no okay you don't have to worry about crashing <laughs> um, i'll make You'll sure live. to drive everywhere when i'm famous if i'm ever famous i'll make a note of that just get a just like write it down somewhere. Just like, <laughs> do not fly underscore underscore. In fact, I'm surprised JFK died by getting shot in the head. Like I'm surprised they didn't just kill him on his flight. Be like, oh no, sorry, the Secret Service did a bad job. Forgot really, to refuel the plane. It's really bold to just do something like that in front of so many people like that. Well, and it's really bold that the second person was never caught. That too. And conspiracy theory, what if the first person like, was never actually caught? There were people that conspired, and they were just like, it's like, we're, how are we going to kill them? It's like, they're just like, we're going to do it on the streets of Dallas. In, in front, front of, of everyone. It's just And like, nobody's going to be able to find them. The temerity of that. The, like, the unmitigated audacity of, some, of doing something like that. I'm just like, wow. Like, who are these people, or who is this organization? Three letters for you. <laughs> yeah. CIA. You heard it here. Conspiracy theories only on Retrospection Radio. Two hours. Don't kill me, CIA. Don't kill me. <laughs> I enjoy my life. We'll take it back. All righty. So we next week are going to get into the 1960s again. Part two, 1965 to 1969. And boy, howdy, am I excited. If the 60s had this much that we could go for two hours on it, I can't wait to see what the last four years of the 60s have for uh, in terms of what we can talk about. So, Retrospection Radio Hour, listen to it next Monday at uh, 3 p.m. Go ahead and join us on 97.5 WOBN, the wild card. And hey, guess what? You're also listening to 97.5 WOBN, the wild card. If you want to listen to the radio station and not just us... Well, you can also go to tncmedia.org and tune in live from there. I have been your host, Noah. And I have been Nate. And we are going to just go ahead and I keep hitting my head against the microphone. Oh, it's been a tough day. We're going to go ahead and just throw us right back into it. <laughs>